This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Thinking it's all about physical health, we are underutilizing the workout. Renowned fit pro Alan Barrett discusses how you can use movement to enhance every facet of your life, body, mind, and spirit. It's a key to longevity and happiness when you do it right. One of the topics of this conversation is lifestyle medicine, which is about choosing the good for you variation more often than not. Alan explains that there's big lifestyle medicine, and then there's a subtler kind. Exercise habit is big, and the big three are sleep, diet, and exercise. She always puts sleep first because so much physical and mental restoration happens during sleep. But she asks us not to underestimate or ignore the subtler medicine. It can really pack a punch and totally transform your life. Valeria Tellis interviews Ellen Barrett, MA. Ellen Barrett is a seasoned fitness and yoga instructor with dozens of blockbuster videos, including Crunch, Fat-Burning Pilates, Prevention, Flat Belly Series, and The Yogini Workout. She starred in Fit TV's cable television show, All-Star Workouts, for over 10 years and has traveled the world leading instructor trainings. Ellen is also the author of four wellness books, her latest being 28-Day Lighter Diet, Skirt 2014, a wellness book that delves into women and weight release. Meet Ellen at ellenbarrett.com. Here's the interview with Ellen Barrett. In your own words, who is Ellen Barrett? I am just a girl. <laughs> from from upstate New York, who loves to encourage people to move. So my first question to you, or the second official question, is how did you discover that that movement was so important? I don't remember. I don't remember not moving, and I yes. I remember loving as a like a young child, loving playing tag, loving running yeah. around, loving that I would get a runner's high just as a little kid. I remember mm -hmm. feeling that sense of, oh my God, I just rode around the block as fast as I can on my bike and I feel amazing. And and I always felt that. And I always thought it was punishment to not mm -hmm. move. Yeah. It was punishment to mm -hmm. sit still right. and to have to like sit in church. And like <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I always I really never had a negative connotation towards exercise and workout and gym class. I always thought of it as positive my whole life, even when I became a teenager and 
And I just think people somewhere along the way get psyched out and derailed on movement from like maybe a mean gym teacher or, you know, maybe judgment from other people when they're moving. So so I think that's that's it. Like, and I also try not to be nitpicky with movement because it all ends to the same thing. I mean, you can get really specific, you know, specific with Pilates and um, physical therapy and alignment, but ultimately go for a walk, mm, dance yeah. around your living room. It doesn't have to be anything specific. It can be really anything, just moving your body. And I'm wondering why some of us don't really get into it, don't move. I have a lot of people in my family that they don't do that. And when I talk to them about it, they kind of reject the idea. Oh, this is your philosophy. This is your life. Oh, I know that's, that's you, you are, you gym rat or you exercise bunny. That's your thing. But I was just at the hardware store and someone I know who does handyman work around town, he moves all day and he loves it. And it's like, so, so we have to like, kind of think of it. It's not like, that's your thing. Like you love vegetables and I don't, it's like, no vegetables can be good for everybody. And everyone, you know, So it's like we have to, we kind of label ourselves too soon. And yeah, it goes back to fundamental truth. Yeah, this is like I said before, movement's life. So it's almost like this uh, basic disconnection when we stop moving. That's interesting. I feel the same way when I'm not moving. The body doesn't feel right. It gets uncomfortable. So it's natural to move. Totally. There's a direct relationship between sedentary and depression. There's always a dance at weddings, at joyful events, there's always dancing. And there's a, not, it's not a coincidence, you know? Even that, when you think about playfulness and joy and the feeling of liberation, it has a connection with movement. We can experience that through movement. Although we do know the benefits of meditation, of being quiet, sitting, being still. But I think it has to do with the mind more, right, Ellen, than the body. Right. I think that's the perfect combination, meditation and movement combined. Yeah. Do movement first and then meditate. It's like yeah. that's what the ancient yogis wanted to do. You know, they did yoga to prepare for meditation. Um, you are a fitness and yoga instructor and mentor. So how did you discover yoga? Because that's a very interesting field because it unites everything, the body, the mind, and the spirit. Yoga is really genius. And it's, like I'm so um, a fangirl for yoga still after all these years because it's it's really infinite. You can keep going with it and you can apply it in so many different ways. But, um, you know, I was living in Los Angeles and I was really, my favorite thing was to take other people's classes. And I remember taking some yoga classes and I just felt so grounded and I felt like my breath was so big and I had more energy and I... I was like, wow, this is really powerful for someone's like spiritual energy and um, just empowerment, a sense of feeling like really strong. And it doesn't come from muscles. It comes from breath and awareness and mind-body connection. And it was a real paradigm shift for me. And um, I just pursued it. Like I just was so adamant about you know, learning more and reading the weird books and finding the school instructors and going to these weird workshops. And I was really, really like driven for it. And I still am. But I, you know, I, I think now I love breath work. Like I, I think that's a new frontier. 
You know, the fact that someone can run a marathon without training for a marathon just by working on their breath is kind of amazing. And you're kind of seeing it a lot. So, yeah, so it, it kind of, it's endless. That's another thing. It's really endless. And I think I've, in a lot of ways, I've been at this for so long, like 30 years, I've been teaching group exercise and mindful movement, but I feel like I'm really just getting cooking. You know, I'm just getting started. <laughs> Once we are open to learn, then it's uh, life takes a different perspective, a different view. It's never the same. And I think that's another, well, we're not talking about age here, but I do interview people about that topic where some people have said that age is just the um, when we stop learning, when we stop open up to life, when we close down to life. I agree. I also think age is like energetically speaking, it's you don't receive enough energy. You're kind of diminishing in energy. So if you have a way of receiving energy through movement, through breath, through really good food, through love, through nature and meditation, then then we're all getting older, but we don't have to be old. And um, so I think it's about energy. And that's another thing exercise has really, and yoga has really taught me to put my energy on my, my focus on my energy and um, how I feel, the feeling. And um, that's the new frontier, I think, for fitness is to move that way. And we are moving that way slowly but surely, but we're still counting calories and we're still, you know, looking at our Fitbit for, for things. But But in the big picture, it's really about how you feel. It's intuitive. With that in mind, what is your idea or understanding of spirituality these days? Oh, my God. I got, I've been so, like, I feel like I'm always praying, which I, I go for long walks in the woods and I just pray. I just pray that things will work out in the world and pray that people will be happy. I just see a lot of um, chronic illness and I see a lot of fear And um, just within my own family and friends and community and, you know, when I turn on the TV, I regret it every time. But but I really I really just pray and I just really pray that we just find peace of mind and people find health and happiness somehow. And I really think people are going down the wrong path on so many levels. And so I definitely feel worried. And I just feel like there's when you're feeling like things are really out of your control, um, you can pray. You know, like I can't help people far away from me so much, but I can pray for them. And, and it's really generic, but I definitely feel like um, God is in nature and I see God in animals and in trees and in sunsets. And I'm definitely a hippie, <laughs> hippie, <laughs> hippie chick like that. Um, but I, I do feel like uh, I think a lot of people have like upped their ante when it comes to spirituality during the last year and a half, for sure. That's a beautiful insight. Yeah. Being natural, that's basically what you, you're representing here. This movement of being natural, just flowing with life. And nature is a wonderful reference for that, for sure. How to define the word wellness? And do you connect wellness to well-being or they're somehow different? Yeah, I think they're similar. I think wellness is sort of, um, it's an action and well-being is a state mm -hmm. of mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of wellness actions that people can take on in their movement, in their diet, in their lifestyle to help their well-being, to be, you know, solid there. So I think they're in the same, in the same vein. 
And you made me think about this, what we talked earlier about the body needs movement and the mind needs stillness. So it's kind of, it might be those two, the balance, right? The harmony. And let me see, Alan, I have another question for you. Yeah, this one. What do you think or feel is the purpose of the human experience? Wow, that's a really deep question. You know, I think the most important thing is to be open to the adventure of life, wherever that takes you. And we always say, oh, love and and accomplishments and stuff. But wherever your life takes you, just be open to it. And I think a lot of people, if someone is chronically ill or they don't feel good, or even if they're 100 pounds overweight and they're not physically capable of really showing up for their day as best they could, it shuts them down from that unfolding and that adventure. And, um, and so that's why the body is where the spirit plays out. And so I feel like you have a responsibility to keep your body in tip top shape so you can really fulfill your destiny and, and your Dharma and all that stuff. And, and really, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like hit life hard, like go for it. And, um, and I think it's a different thing for everybody and it's different in different phases of life. Like for the, my, I have a 12 year old son and for 12 years, I've definitely felt like split. Like I'm so focused on him, but then I'm, I'm really feeling like really jazzed about career. And, you know, I go back and forth and, you know, vacillate and it's fine. And that's actually how it's supposed to be for a lot of people, certain windows of time. And then, you know, when he goes off to college and grows up, I'll be able to really dedicate a hundred percent again and be super, you know, pinpoint focused. But, but yeah, I feel like it's different for everybody, but I think you're to be open to it is the most important thing. That's our job. Another question I have for you, the warm-up questions, is the idea of success. So what do you think success is and what are some of the misconceptions about it? Well, that's such a good question. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, I feel like people think success is financial so much. You know, when you when you're when you go to that section in the bookstore about um, success, so much of it is about money. And that's so sad, but it's very telling of our culture. But um, I, I really think success is being truly happy where you are in life and or where you're headed. And, you know, feeling like you're inspired to keep going and inspired every day. Like, like I mentioned about being at the hardware store. And um, then when I go in there, I, I, I see those people in there and I think they're really highly intelligent. They're really capable and they fix things all day or they install things or whatever. And I, honest to God, they're pretty happy people for the most part. And they, they, a lot of them are outside all the time and they can be outside in inclement weather, but they're really, you could tell they're sort of exhilarated by life and, um, like carpenters and, and just all those contractors. And I just think that if we had more people like that, that were just really contributing to the world in a pretty practical way, but feeling really jazzed by it and learning every day and growing. And, um, I just think that's so important. Um, like the financial thing, I think this new generation, I really hope that when they pursue higher education and they pursue their like summer internships or whatever they do, I just hope that they 
pursue what they love and what they're really passionate about. And then, and then the money will follow or it won't. And that's okay. Like, I think that has to happen because we have a lot of miserable people that are doing things that they don't want to do. And they might have a huge house and they might have like, yeah, they might have five cars, but they're literally miserable and they've sold their soul in a way and they've wasted time because, you know, so because they've been doing something they don't love to do. So like I always say, I've said this in another podcast years ago, but when I got a job teaching aerobics, I secretly remember saying to my roommate being like, don't tell them, but I would do it for free. Like I would be like, I can't believe they are paying me to teach aerobic classes. And I just felt like it was I was a really rich person just because I was getting free money because I was doing what I love so much. It didn't feel like work. That is like the best. And I've always felt really abundant. Like I, and I, you know, and I haven't been like, I was, I was like bouncing around LA, you know, wearing like, I would have like t-shirts that I got at Goodwill and I, you know, cause I was really hand to mouth there, but I, so happy. And it was, I was so on the right path and all my dreams started to really manifest. And I knew that that's like the feeling of success is like really feeling that sensation. So it's almost like the definition of true power, going back to what we believe to be true to ourselves and following that without fear. And the success that you talked about might be this old idea. It's money. That kind of resonates more with those feelings of fear and survival. I believe in harmony, so everything is connected. Like you said, it's okay. If we do what we love and we make money, great. And if we don't, it's okay too. We need to trust ourselves enough that we can take life as it is and just kind of uh, navigate this journey more naturally. And it's it's so true. It's like how much we also think of like, how much money do you really need? Like, you know, I remember, I mean, you, you know, you can get by on, uh, you know, you can get by if you're doing what you want. And then also I, there are any literally, and I tell this to my nieces and nephews that are heading to college and whatnot. I, I always say like, you name, give me a job, give me one job and I will find an example of someone who's quite wealthy doing that job. Like, a hairstylist. You can find someone who's super wealthy as a hairstylist. You can find someone who's super wealthy as a gardener. You can find someone super wealthy as an aerobic instructor. <laughs> you could like, you could find someone who's, you know, really well off in any field. So there's a way, there's a way, there's an example for, you know, and so, you know, there's a lot of lawyers that are very wealthy. There's a lot of lawyers that have a lot of debt. So, you know, the other way works too. So, get, take that off the table and pursue. But I definitely think that, you know, when you have parental pressure or society pressure, or you have debt and you're like, wow, I need to make some quick cash, you know, it's hard, it's hard to navigate. And sometimes you, you know, have to sort of give away time to get yourself to a happy place financially. So it is tricky. And it's not as easy as it seems sometimes, but I think pursuing something you really love and you have passion for is really the only way to go in the big picture. You have written some books, wellness books. Talk to me about them. I didn't have access to them, but talk to me for a moment about your books. Yeah. So I've written four uh, wellness books and the first two kind of like, they came to me and I had, they were very picture oriented and illustrative. They were kind of like workout videos turned into books. And then the third one, 
was Zodiaction, which was an astrology workout book that was very fun to write. Uh, I wrote it with a astrolo- an astrologer who lives in Oxford, England now, um, called Zodiaction. And it was super fun. And it was something that I always, when I would work with people one-on-one, within the first session, astrology would come up. And I would be like, oh, what's the sign? And, and it was became something fun. It wasn't anything terribly serious, but I did notice patterns with like earth signs and fire signs. And I noticed that uh, Tauruses were probably the hardest to get going. Like they, they really didn't want to go for a run or they might be late or they just wanted to just do something more mellow all the time. And I felt like the Leos and the fire signs really loved to compete and they love to compete against themselves. They love to stopwatch or I could say, okay, you did this last time in one minute and now you did, you know, those amount of push-ups in 30 seconds or whatever. They love that like fiery energy. So that was a really fun book. And um, then my fourth book, my most recent book was a book called The 28 Days Later Diet, and it was about women and menstrual cycles. So it was about the fact that we're on a cycle all month long, we're ignoring it, but our energy ebbs and flows during that cycle, and we really need to be paying attention to how we're feeling every day of the month and act accordingly. So I felt like that was a really groundbreaking book, and it really, all these books kind of organically came about And um, I'm really proud of the 28 Days Later Diet book because it went there. And I felt like no one was ever talking about fitness and menstrual cycles. They were, I mean, sometimes they talk about, you know, menopause a little bit, but they weren't really talking about menstrual cycles. And I think women were really sort of depleting their energies by working out too hard when they were on their periods. And I felt like PMS was a real tragic um, intense week of a lot of women's lives and it could be minimized by lifestyle the rest of the month. So, and it, and it can be. And so that's what the book talks about. So I'm really proud of those books, but that last book I was, I was really, really proud of. And I, I still get emails all the time from women saying, thank you for writing that book. It really saved me. And it was like a, fe- it's ultimate feminist book really, because it was just <laughs> yeah. women helping women. And oh, I love that. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, Why men not? help yeah. men. Yeah, they have been yeah. helping each other for uh, <laughs> thousands of years now. <laughs> it's our turn. <laughs> well, and I, I, yeah, it's so true. It's our turn. But you know, women, like I'm around with so many women that help women, and I and I love that. And um, and I do. I think about the menstrual cycle. We've been taught to kind of override it, and it's where we've been taught to kind of ignore it, and toughen up true. and it's like and yeah. I think that was like such a true. such bad information so it was, true. We, sh- we should really do the opposite we should really honor it and um so that was the premise of the whole book oh I love that topic too I know it's not the topic of our conversation today but I would love to interview you on that book because I have already like hear from you all the information. I would have lots of questions. I know I could talk forever. <laughs> I love that topic because it is true. It's natural too. I mean, it's just what the body does. The biology of being a female does, and we have been discriminated and judged. I mean, my own husband he judges me every month. Oh, you, you're not the same. You know, you're not as nice. And I'm like, you know, this is just the body doing what it does. Well, just think about this. Like, think about if we think it's summer, we act like it's summer 
365 days a year. But when we for we we pretend we actually don't we pretend winter doesn't happen, you know, and so we go out there in December wearing our shorts and our bare feet in the snow, and we and actually we're being gaslit by a lot of society because you're like, wait, it's winter, and they're like, no, just keep going, it's not winter, you know what I mean? We so we have seasons every month, and we're we're pretending that two of the seasons don't happen. And it's just ridiculous. And it's such a, in fitness, we're talking about the body. And that is a big, big, you know, big occurrence for women every month. And it's like to not pay attention to it or discuss it is ridiculous. What a great topic. We need men to listen to these uh, conversations more so they understand women better. Because we try and it sounds like we are kind of explaining ourselves, defending ourselves. That's what I feel like when I'm talking to him about yes. it. They don't understand. They really don't. It's kind of interesting. But it is our job in a way to educate them. And that's what I'm trying to do with my husband. These conversations here, I know, could help other men. So I would love to have that conversation with you later on, if possible, Yeah, of for sure. That would be great. Staying with the topic of wellness and um, the lifestyle medicine that you speak of, you motivate people to work out for their life, not just for their health, which I love that message in what you do here, because we are life. There's no separation. And you use movement to enhance every facet of our lives, body, mind, and spirit, as you mentioned earlier. So talk to me about the big lifestyle medicine and the subtler lifestyle medicine. Yeah. So thinking about, this is a real paradigm shift as well, because we think of medicine as something you get from the doctor or it's a prescription or it's a pill. Medicine is anything that gives you a positive result. So fitness can be medicine. Food for sure can be medicine. And those are the big lifestyle medicines. They're really obvious. What you eat, how you sleep, how you move, those are really major. But the subtle medicines of lifestyle could be watching the sunset to calm down your nervous system. It could be meditating. It could be um, really using eco products that don't pollute the air you breathe. It could be breathing better, like in through the nose and then out through the nose or the mouth. That's super simple and it really changes your nervous system. And um, so there's so many littler things, um, you know, taking a walk, you know, after dinner, a really simple walk and not even really considering that your workout, but knowing that after you, after you eat a hundred paces, they used to say in ancient times help digest food, but it's been proven a little light exercise after you eat really does help process that food. Um, eating earlier. So like, you know, and not too late at night. Um, we always talk about what people are eating, but never when and how they're eating. Like, I think when you eat with chopsticks or you eat with the beautiful set, beautifully set table and you eat with your family and no media is on, it's a different experience. You're nourished on so many levels. And so lifestyle medicine, it could, it's everywhere. It could be, um, you know, picking your own berries and, you know, growing a garden. It could be going barefoot a little bit more often. Like I think high heeled shoes all the time is destroying your health and people never think about that, you know? So, you know, there's a great book too. Um, 
that I recently read and it's called Killer Clothes. And it's a really niche book, but it's basically about certain clothes are harming us. And so bras that have underwire and are that don't fit properly are really blocking lymphatic flow. And and then shoes with crazy heels or even just a really hard flat platform actually a throw off the spine. Like you are you are completely in traction when you're wearing the shoes. So the book was so eye-opening to me because those things we would never think we just think we're wearing them and we don't think they're affecting us health-wise, but they really have serious consequences, the big picture. So lifestyle medicine is really seeing little actions and little things that you can do, setting up your home, you know, organizing. I think a lack of clutter really helps clear your brain. More organization helps you, you know, really function optimally. Like those are lifestyle medicine techniques. So it really is endless. And when I when I work with people one-on-one, I would always notice when I'd be at people's houses, I would notice when there was a ton of clutter. I would notice a correlation between a chaotic household and maybe stubborn weight that wasn't shedding or maybe they had chronic migraines or whatever. I felt I noticed that environment really was an extension of their life. So it's really, I just really just want people to think about it and, and investigate it for their own self because everyone's so individualized and what works for them is going to not work for other people or be necessary for other people, you know, but little, little details, like even when you take a bubble bath or a bath, just putting, putting Epsom salt in the bath and not the polluting like bubble bath stuff that is really toxic, actually. You know, a few drops of pure essential oil and then Epsom salt is really the best. You don't need that, like, that other stuff that's, like, foaming and all that stuff. It's really actually quite toxic. And so you're trying to take a bath to calm down and be well, and that's a wellness move. But but then if you use that those products, it actually is irritating you. You're breathing it in. It's polluting your house and it's on your skin and it's actually not good for you. So it's such subtle things, but over time they really start accumulating and they can change your life, you know? Yeah. It makes so much sense to me, especially when when you talk about the clothes and the bras and the shoes. I know, right? It's so uncomfortable. Like why? And the body knows it and we know it. And why do we do it? Why do we continue to do it? Is that... Because society, again, because we are trying to fit in, that's what it sounds to me, like when I used to do that, because I don't do it anymore, but I was trying to fit in and look in a certain way so it could be accepted. I know. It's funny, with the heels, with the heels, I always say to people, like, if there's an option, opt for flat. But if you have to go to, a, like, a wedding twice a year, you know, it's all good. Whatever you have to do, you have to do, but... But really on a day-to-day basis, going as barefoot as you can is going to really benefit your spine and your knees and your hips. And and you'll just be that, that much more grounded and your feet will be more functioning. Your feet will be happier. Wow. I love your message, Ellie. It goes back to that natural flow, just listening to your body, being comfortable with yourself and doing what is you call organic. I mean, it sounds like so easy to do and it's common sense, but... For some reason, because we have been taught in a certain way and we're trying, still trying to fit in in that 
model that doesn't really fit us, <laughs> that we can't. It's just not possible, especially women with so many complexities, which is natural again to the body of a female to be the way we are. So I love your message. It's very empowering and we need to hear that more often. Thanks. Yeah. It's funny because I know you said, I don't do that anymore with this. Yeah, I think no. <laughs> I think you get really, yeah. you've got to that point where you got really sensitive to it. I was like, yeah. whoa, this yeah. is really unnatural. When I see a dog that wears like in the New York City, you'll see dogs sometimes in like rainstorms or snowstorms, they put little booties on their dog and the dogs are like trying to get the things off their feet and you see them like fighting with these little booties and I felt like I could resonate with that dog because I was like I don't take my that's me too <laughs> that's a sad um reality or perspective way of living isn't it but it's so empowering when we kind of experience the way of doing things that's natural, following our own intuition. I always go back to intuition because it tells us how to live our lives in alignment with truth, with our truth. Intuitive eating, do you ever suggest that to your clients or this is something that you don't talk about? You know what? I think there's as many di diets as there are people. You know, yes. David, yeah. David Wolf said that to me and I It, that really makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, we all, at different times of our life, we need different food and different amounts of food and and we can handle certain foods and all that stuff. So I really don't go there, but I really encourage everyone to think about hydration, drinking hydration, but eating water with water-rich raw foods and like fruits and vegetables, like eating water, you know, like getting that, that fruit and veggies in your system. Um, I just think that, is you cannot go wrong with that. Um, smoothies and juices is really, really great. And just raw fruit and vegetables. I always encourage that. I think that's universal for whoever you are. And then I also, like I mentioned earlier, it's not so much what you eat, but how you eat. So I really encourage eating earlier in the evening and not eating a big meal close to bedtime, you know, because sleep is so important. And, um, Uh, sometimes food that's still digesting and still heavy in your belly is really compromises sleep. So those are the two big things I always tell everyone, no matter who they are. But when I'm working with people one-on-one, -on -one, I do suggest more specific things and I get an idea of what they'll, they'll, they'll like and what they might be able to, you know, implement into their life. In my, from my experience, I always needed guidance from experts, people who knew what to do or how to do it. It's basically how to do it. And even the intuitive aspect that I speak of, sometimes we lose it within ourselves for some reason we don't connect with it. So we need guidance. And that's when you come in because everything you say sounds very intuitive to me, very natural. Well, it's funny. It's so annoying going when you go to the restaurant with someone who's too cerebral and they've gotten, and they're like, oh, I should have, I should have this, but I, I really want this. Like they're not in their intuition and they become indecisive because there's a war between what they want and what they think they need and want. So it, it's like that war. I see it with women and it breaks my heart a little bit. I've been there for sure, but I, I feel like we've gotten too cerebral. There's too much, there's too much like, should I have this many amounts, this amount of protein or there's no protein in this dish. So, you know, and it's good. It, it could drive you crazy. So yeah, <laughs> that's another topic too. And that's so true that women, and we are the ones that, um, I mean, 
we have been labeled as intuitive more than men. So yeah, and you're saying that we have lost that too. Well, I think we are so bombarded. We're so bombarded with information about food right. and that we are, we don't know anymore. We're like, you know, we can be intuitive with everything else, but then when it comes to eating, we're like, nope, the doctor told me to do this or what, you know what I mean? So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you, but before that, would you like to add anything? You know, I really just want people to appreciate and be grateful that they have a physical body and start there, you know, start with being grateful for having a body, being alive. <laughs> and, uh, and then from there you start to cherish it and respect it and move towards that well-being that you're all about. So I think that's the most important thing is that gratitude that you're here, that you have a body and let's go. So my last question to you is what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of this moment? Wow. Three things I know for sure. Well, I know for sure that there's a higher power that's watching after us, that's looking after us. And that is something I, I am always like, it's mysterious, but I'm very sure of it. Um, and then the second thing I know for sure is that you can be happy right now. You don't, circumstances don't have to change that you know, you, it's a real attitude shift. It's a flip of a switch in terms of how you see the world, your perception, and it can turn on a little bit more happiness. Um, and then the third thing, which is really sort of my whole sort of purpose is get the body moving and don't underestimate the power of just getting your body moving. It raises your vibration and it can change your whole life. It's life-changing. Thank you so much again, Alan, for your wisdom, sharing your wisdom, for your fun, meaningful presence and the work you do helping others. It's an honorable one. Oh, my pleasure. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So you can find everything at ellenbarrett.com. It's just my name.com. And I have an online studio and um, I have a calendar page that lists any events that are happening. So, and I have a newsletter, so you can subscribe to a free newsletter at ellenbarrett.com. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ellen Barrett and her work, please visit ellenbarrett.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.